In Conversation with Dr. Eve. Dr. Eve joins me now on uh, the on the line. Uh, is it Zoom? Zoom. Yeah, she joins me now. Dr. Eve, good evening to you and thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time. Hi. Hey, Aubrey. So nice to be with you. I've missed you. Oh. So... Yeah. Well, Dr. Eve. <laughs> and having very traumatic, wonderfully triggering conversations with you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, look, that, that's, that's, isn't that the beauty of, of being South African um, uh, in this very interesting time that the whole world mm-hmm. is going through, that we can really delve into, into conversations that are sometimes a little uncomfortable, but I think that they stretch our, our awareness of what the world is and how it's it's changing and evolving. So I, I no, I'm I'm good with it, Doctor Eve, and I know that you are. So um, I'm glad that we're going to have this conversation. Yeah. So I mean, I'm just thinking as you're talking, you know, that the world is um, erupting, and um, why do we have these conversations? Why do we, in other words, bring more trauma into people's awareness? And I think for me, I don't know about for you, Aubrey, because you've been so, you know, keen and such an incredibly supportive partner in this, in this forum. It is about recognizing and acknowledging what people are experiencing. And by actually giving language and experience to it, I think it brings a lot of relief to people that first of all, that they recognize that what they're feeling is valid and real and can even be sometimes labeled as trauma, challenge, distress, stress, and maybe trauma. And then secondly, it's always about the forum around I'm I'm not alone, that feeling that I'm not the only one who's experiencing this. And that's always my hope that people will have like aha moments of feeling that I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm being educated uh, because all of the work that we do, obviously scientifically based, I'm being educated and it's resonating with me. And that in itself brings some healing. And mostly I'm, I'm always hoping that the way that you and I engage with these difficult conversations gives people a opportunity to sure. see it through a light of compassion and not judgment or blaming and shaming of themselves, which is oftentimes what happens uh, when one experiences trauma. You go first into what's wrong with me or I must have caused it or this is my fault. Yeah. I deserve to feel this way. Or maybe, you know, everyone has it. I hear people say often other people have it way worse than me. So I'm hoping that the compassion model that we use is is something which is useful to our listeners. Anyway, so to bring us to our topic for tonight, when we have so many other kind of political traumas that are happening, we go internally into a more, you know, interpersonal experience of people on the show. And I was um, awakened really because I'd never thought about post-divorce families and trauma in one. But I was doing a training session more recently with Dr. Bessel van der Kork, who is the leading trauma research and clinician in the world and whom I actually did my training with. And he was saying how one of the most significant traumas that gets so overlooked is in step-parenting, in being part of a blended family. And then he said probably worse than that is being, you know, being foster child. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Let me look into that. And that's the reason why I did this, you know, huge amount of research and brought you the idea of the topic of what really happens to both children and, 
and mostly to the parents, to the parent who's coming in as a step parent. Yeah. What is their experience of now trying to integrate, trying to what's called blend into this family? And what the research has shown you know, is quite staggering. But before we go there, uh, let's kind of look at, at what is the status of, of divorce and marriage and second marriages, m- most significantly. And this may come as a surprise to you, and I'm not wanting you to take this personally because sure. I know that you're in a happy marriage. So in South Africa, the divorce, second-time divorce rate is 10.5% for men and 8.3% for women. And 40%, 40% of marriages generally, 40% end within 10 years and infidelity is the majority, the primary cause of it. But then we look at second marriages. Do you want to take a guess at this, the percentage of second marriages that end in divorce? Sure. 40% of first marriage. What could you guess second, second marriage? That end in divorce. Yeah, how many percentage of second marriages actually end in divorce? Would you imagine it's more or less than first marriages? I would imagine that it's less, I, I, and I'll I'll tell you why I think so. I, I, I think I think I think people have gone through certain experiences, and perhaps when they go into the second marriage, uh, perhaps yeah. they've learnt a few things, understood a few things about life. I, I really haven't thought about that, Doctor Eve. Put me oh, out of my misery. Yeah, 67% of second marriages end in divorce. Wow. Uh, in other words, second divorces have got a high, far higher rate. Yeah. A second marriage, far higher rate of divorce. So one wants to look at, which is what we are looking at, you know, what is happening in those second and maybe even third marriages yeah. that tells us that there is a higher chance, a higher risk of divorce. The statistics globally, by the way, tell us that there is a higher chance of divorce. And so I'm going to read to you a, a wonderful experiment to give an example, and maybe some of our listeners can relate to this, of what happens when you are entering into, you know, you, you dating, you get onto a dating app and you meet somebody and you have a couple of kids of your own and he or she or they've got a couple of kids and you fall in love and you think, oh, we wiser this time around. We kind of know what we're going to be doing. We've got some wisdom and experience. And we're going to make this one work. Then you kind of brought in in some way or form into the family and you said now blend. So this is a wonderful experiment, which indicates and signifies why people do experience PTSD. And I'm talking about the adults. We can talk about what the horror that happens to many children. So what they did is they took a group of dogs and then bombarded them with loud, unpleasant sounds at scheduled times. The dogs learned to anticipate these attacks and they braced themselves in advance. In those dogs, stress levels remained manageable. Mm. Then they took another group of dogs that underwent varied, unpredictable attacks at random times. And over time, those dogs stopped fighting back. They stopped trying to defend themselves because they never knew which way to face. Mm. They could never figure out which direction offered them the most protection. So instead, they close up in the corner, just waiting it to all be over. Hmm. And that PTSD, that is the, that's exactly the progression of PTSD. You just give up the fight because of the unpredictability and the uncertainty that happens. 
So, 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 so let, let me just jump in very quickly there, Dr. E, because you know, yeah, yeah. I, know, I, know, I know my listeners well. I don't think Dr. Eve is trying to say that people are dogs. <laughs> okay, folks. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Trust me, Dr. Eve. Trust me. We need to, we need to do this. Because somebody says, how dare? How dare you? <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is a study that was done to understand the patterns of PTSD. Exactly. And so, 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 please, you know, Doctor Eve, I, I've been doing this a long time, <laughs> and I and I know. when people hear what they want to hear instead of what is yeah. meant to be uh, put out there, so I'm I'm quickly jumping in there to say, Thank please you. understand, folks. Doctor Eve is not saying human beings are dogs or human beings are to be compared to dogs. It is a it is a reflection on a study about post-traumatic stress disorders. So, so, so that's it. Yeah. All right. Let's let's continue, Doctor. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. And also, I forgot to say that anyone who's been triggered, who is in a step-parenting situation, or is a child who, and listening to us, please take care of yourself. Um, so, what this is actually saying is that when one moves into a family situation into one home together and you bring your kids or even if you don't have your own kids and you blend in we're supposed to be blending in there is so much unpredictability and uncertainty that is happening in those dynamics that one goes into a dysregulated state and you then curl up and just want to curl up down or you run away in other words you're going to either fight you will begin fighting fighting with those children with the new partner or with other people or else you're going to just pack up your bag 67 percent of you do and you leave yeah or else you're going to just freeze because it feels like a war zone that you've gone into you're thrust into conflict that you didn't have any idea that it would be like that you didn't plan it you don't know what to do with it and it feels as if this is a battle you're never going to be able to win and people say, you know, I just never knew where this attack was coming from or in which direction it was going to come from. So it either is, I mean, think about it, Orbi, there is such a division of loyalties mm. that happen. The division of loyalty is for the person whose home you move into, for example. These are my kids and your kids may really be resistant to the new person coming in. That's where the potential, the risk factor is for children and I'll go more into it just now. So the parent is then torn between loyalty to his who or their children and to the new person in their lives. Mm. How do they, where do their loyalties lie? And at one moment, who are you? Are you a stepmom or dad? Are you somebody who can put boundaries in, who can have a voice in the family? Your partner might say, yeah, you know, you can really give your opinion around it. You do give your opinion. And the stepchildren are like, what? This is not my mother. I have loyalty to my mother. I don't have loyalty. You are not my mother. And there stands the mm. mother or the father. Says, well, you have to listen to it, but actually you need to respect my children because these are my children. And this new person is left out in the cold, feeling completely traumatized by what's going on. Then we add in, then we add in the remains or the remnants, the tendrils, as I call it, of the first marriage of one or both. Yeah. The custody battles that may still be going on, the financial discussions, the emotional ties. 
how often are you still talking to your ex? Why do you need to talk to your ex so, so many times? It is an absolute minefield and a war zone that people get into. And the children and the, the adults themselves in it really feel terrified. And so the ability to say, I'm leaving increases. The blending may not happen. Where do you put your loyalty? The child's going to feel abandoned or else the new partner is going to feel, the step parent is going to feel abandoned. And it's it's not an easy place for people to go into. And I think it's important that we yeah. talk to it. Yeah. And if any of our listeners are in that situation and are feeling this way, and we can talk more about the more details about what are some of the experiences and why it does feel that way. We want to, you know, we want to hear from them. What does the, the term step parent mean? I mean, I know what it means, right? I know yeah. what it means, but where does it come from? What's, what's the etymology of the yeah, term step parent? I, I didn't even look at that, but I'm just thinking it's like stepping into a parental role, maybe. I have no right. idea. It will be on just the top of my head. Yeah. It's a step into a parental role. And these are children which are not biologically mine. They're not half brothers sure. or sisters, oh, but they're children. It's just a term, huh? That they're stepchildren. Now. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to. I was just trying to think about what is the equivalent of that term in in in, in indigenous languages, and there is no such yeah, yeah. term, right? So, 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 so I, I I always try to to try and you know think about yeah. what does this mean in my language, right? We, we don't. We, I mean, of, co- of course, we know that you you can have children that you adopt, as it were, right? Uh, but th- we we don't have a particular uh, term that speaks mm-hmm. of that kind of relationship. Uh, they're your children mm-hmm. or they're not your children. But I mean, we're all aware and we understand that there is such. But if I'm 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 not correct, please uh, give me a call and and correct me. But are you in that kind of reality where you are a blended family where there has been divorce? There are all of the issues as Dr. the Dr. Eva's just spoken about. The, the feelings of not knowing how to be and to what uh, children need to be loyal to. How do you feel about parenting children that aren't biologically yours? Uh, how do those children feel about being parented by somebody that's not biologically uh, connected. How much do we value the idea of bi- biological c- connection? And if you are in a relationship with children uh, or you're a blended family post divorce and you have found a good rhythm, a uh, working rhythm in that family, please give us a call. We'd love to hear uh, about your experiences, how you got there. I imagine it was a, a journey, it wasn't a, an event. How did you get there? Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to me about the trauma of it, Dr. Eve. So you walk into the situation with your own history. Now, first marriages have history too. There might have been some kind of difficult trauma from your own childhood or you might have had your own sexual violence that has happened to you or some kind of traumatic event one way or another. And when you're older and you're coming into a second or a third or a third marriage, 
you still, as I said, have got to deal with these circumstances. And you might have been coming out of an abusive marriage, for example. Yeah. You might be coming out of a situation where there are protection orders, where children have been harmed. So you now with this new person in this new household, but you're still receiving you know, angry phone calls or the, the ex-wife or the ex-husband is harassing or the ex-wife or ex-husband is still, which does have to happen, engaging around managing children, children who you share together. Mm. And what happens to the parent, the step-parent, while this is all happening? They may feel excluded. They may feel threatened by that ex still. And these are triggers which keep you in the state of alertness, which keep you in a state of hypervigilance, just like the dogs I was yep, talking about, yep, yep. the unpredictability and the uncertainty and the randomness of not knowing when this can happen. And then it would be, I hear this so often in my therapy room, or be like, why did, you know, why does she have to call in the middle of the night? Or why does she have to call us over a weekend when we, you know, she knows that this is our weekend away? There's no good reason why, why do they still have to talk about money? Why do they have to talk to each other so often? So how so, so the, the, the new spouse feels provoked yeah. by that kind of interaction, yeah? Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. And then they can put boundaries in. But how can we put boundaries? Because the children are still involved. So it, it is this, what's called, there are multiple stakeholders in this marriage. It isn't just uh, two people who are yeah. trying to make it work. It is just ongoing, what's called ambiguity. And I loved this piece of research that really frames it within what they call ambiguity in step parenting. And they say this is when there is ill-defined or unclear facts which come from the changes, all the different changes in the relationship, in the family, which may be either psychological or physical. It is the unknown. And one of the things that the brain dislikes most is uncertainty and not knowing because the brain is there to protect, to protect us. And so what one of the facts, one of the features that protects us is having information and knowing, and I repeat, having predictability. So here you're in a situation where there is ongoing ambiguity. Mm. You never know what is really how you're going to feel, what kind of behavior is going to be accepted or not accepted. You have no idea about how to go about working with the living with this ambiguity, just accepting it or saying, actually, we're just going to try and focus on our relationship or else I'm just kind of just distance myself and disconnect from you while I'm still here. But psychologically, I'm not here or sexually, I'm not really here anymore. So there's a huge amount of negativity and fear that's associated with the not knowing in these kinds yeah. of situations. And yeah. what causes the stress and if it's ongoing, the stress then turns into distress and ongoing distress is going to turn into, into trauma, PTSD sure. symptoms. You just lose your ability to think, to cope, to manage your stress. And that brings all kinds of negative consequences for the children and for the parents. It sounds to me like these are issues of baby mama drama, baby daddy drama. Do you find mm -hmm. yourself in those kinds of dramatic uh, situations that uh, move from stress to distress to trauma, as Dr. Eve yeah. has just explained. And I'd love to hear from you, your relationship with your baby mama. You've moved on from that relationship. Maybe it was a, it was a marriage. Maybe it wasn't even a marriage. It was some sort of a committed relationship, um, yeah. but not solemnized by the idea of marriage. 
uh, but maybe it didn't work. But there were children born in that relationship and you found somebody else and actually got married or started another uh, committed relationship. How are you handling all of the dynamics associated with that? The loyalties, the 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 feelings of provocation and the breaking of boundaries. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you on 011-883-0702. It, it, it cannot be easy. It cannot be easy. I, I mean, if you don't mind me sharing, Doctor, I love to, I love to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Thank I, you. I, I, I was, I was, I had a, I was married uh, prior to my current marriage, mm. um, and I suppose fortunately, in this context, there were no children born from that marriage, mm. Mm. Uh, and the marriage was irretrievably broken but it wasn't an acrimonious separation it it wasn't there wasn't bad blood and i think that there's still a very good um uh cordial relationships between all of us but we it was it's very strange because because it was it was very it was very clean cut and there was Mm -hmm. not much contact after that between myself and my and my Mm ex-wife And I, I got married to a woman who had ch- two children of her own. I had never had children mm-hmm. of my own. But my entry into the marriage was actually to marry the children too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so because I had sort of resigned myself to the idea that I'd never have my own biological children. By the grace mm-hmm. of God, I then had my own uh, biological mm. child uh, after, after some time being in this marriage. And, and so in my, and, and I admit my wife when the children were very, very young. So for all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm the only dad that they really know. Right. Mm. Um, and, and traditionally or culturally, when you say I am going to marry and you are perhaps uh, marrying somebody that already has children. Part of the conversation, part of the negotiation in the Lobola processes is, do you understand what this means? You, you are now marrying these children too. You, 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 you know, you, this, is, this is what it is. And, and you then have to sort of agree to that and solemnly un- understand that that is the reality that you are entering into. So f- for yes, me, sir. for me, it it was it wasn't really that difficult, right? Mm. Um, because I'd also fallen in love with the children. If that is a poss- if that's possible, is it possible? I'd fallen in love with the children too. Um, so we haven't had that kind of drama stuff. But I can imagine that had there been the existence of baby daddy, and there were there were dramatic issues as far as that is concerned it would have been really really difficult um and i'm and i'm i'm unable to really go into how difficult it would have been but i imagine that my wife would have had to have conversations about uh, baby daddy at part at passed on unfortunately but but there would have had to be conversations about the children and so forth. And I don't know if I would have been secure enough to be okay with that. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. And I imagine that that would have 
uh, impacted on my children. It would have impacted on, on all of my children. The, 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 the stress, the, the anxiety, maybe the insecurity would have impacted them, I imagine, uh, had that situation been there. And when you, ex- when you describe it in that way, that it starts out as stress, then it becomes distress, then it becomes trauma. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I'm, I'm very yeah. fortunate that I've never had to experience that. But, but I can see how mm. that is something that people in that kind of scenario would have to deal with those kinds of things. So I'm also calling to those, making a call to those people that have been through that sort of thing to give us a call and let us know how they've uh, dealt with it. Uh, but, but how does, how do we deal with those kinds of complications? Um, I, I would say with, Mediation and oftentimes family mediators are the go-to and, of course, therapists as well. And let us turn attention now that we've kind of looked at what happens to the adults, to the actual children Children, themselves, trauma that they experience while parents are trying to work this out. Um, I'm going to bring in another element which is controversial, but it's something which comes up real often, and that is uh, the risk of um, of abuse by um, step brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews on children and stepfathers on on children as well, because that's not considered you know incest. So um, it is considered incest. I'm just trying to look. Um, it's considered incest if you are half brothers, half sisters. I think third time. And if anyone's a lawyer, please let me know because I have forgotten and I didn't look that up. I think if you're third level away, it is not incest. But there is that always that risk that people worry about mm, as a level mm. as well. So what happens to the children in this situation? Let's look at their experience. They have physical and physically and psychologically lost one parent. And when I assess using something called the ACE quiz, which is Adverse Childhood Events, we assess for what childhood events are considered trauma, traumatizing and um, depending on how many ACEs you get, that would then determine whether you actually did have a traumatic childhood. And one of the 10, number, number eight or so of the 10 questions is, have you ever lost a parent through either divorce or death? Mm. So it's recognized that having lost a parent through divorce is a very traumatic experience for a child. So here the child is then thrown into the situation when they, where they're really unclear on how to relate to their biological parents and relatives, mm. how much loyalty they have, how much contact they should have, and also how to relate to these newly acquired step parents and step relatives. And parents often make the mistake of insisting, I think it's a big mistake, of insisting that their children now call, you know, the uh, step mother or father or grandparents but mom or dad, and mm. unless it's agreed upon and the children feel comfortable with it, it should not be something that they is are forced to do. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forced into that, especially um, if they do have living relatives. So what happens is that they they have enormous amount of stress because their feelings of belonging is is reduced, and also because they might find that the parental involvement by one or even of both parents on, is really diminished now. And this leads them once again to the ambiguity of feeling uncertain with unclear facts as well. Suddenly they've got a mother or a father who's just vanished and they don't really understand 
why, depending on the age of the child, they don't understand where this parent is, especially if there has been so much acrimony that one or both have said, we don't want you near our children or we're going to forbid you from seeing the children, which is the worst mistake that anyone can do in a divorce settlement unless there is abuse or danger or addictions or so on um, by the one parent where they are deemed to be dangerous. Um, and there is just the, 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 the grief and may not even be spoken about to the child about what's happening, what's happening to them. So they have the physical loss as well, the psychological loss of the parent. And if they, especially if they do not know where the other parent lives or what they're doing, uh, it's very important. I, I make sure that when there is a divorce that's going through, or a parent has left that the child is taken to the new home and had a look at the new home and in their mind, in their, the world map, in their mind, they have an idea. They can imagine where mom or dad is. They can imagine where other brothers or sisters are or other family relatives are. They need to be able to have that kind of anchor to know that they do belong somewhere and there is still, a, that parent is still over there. They just think, you know, that maybe they're just missing and they don't want to be with them anymore, which mm -hmm. is, you know, incredibly traumatic for a child. So um, what happens to this child when you ask early on, you know, what is the trauma of it? We know, and you know certainly by now, that with excessive stress hormones coursing through the body, coursing be because of the, the the brain being on fire, you know, living in the sympathetic nervous system and all of those stress hormones coming through, it's going to put the child and, of course, the adults at a high risk of, of physical illnesses. So it could be anything from depression to um, anxiety or to other chronic illnesses over a period of time mostly inflammatory diseases that will occur. And that may be the very reason why somebody says, you know, I'm packing up and I'm I'm leaving here. I, I I'm now just getting sick. I'm now getting I'm depending on medication to be able to stay in this family situation. So one of my actual um Friends and colleagues, um, Dr. Wednesday Martin, she wrote a book. She she went she lives in New York and she wrote a bestseller, became a bestseller on the New York Times book list called Step Monster. And you look at why real stepmothers feel and act the way that they do. Mm. And she went into detail, and we can go through some of that of you know what happens to a stepmom, particularly a stepmom who walks into a new family. Um, she walked in without any of her own children as well and is with her husband who has his, his children mm. as well. And the fact that this became a bestseller, you know, in the New York Times tells that there is such a need because of the, the high divorce rate and the remarriage. People need to understand that the risk of depression for depression is there. And to be able to say, this is something we know up front and how are we going to manage it? How are we going to be really cognitive and adult about it and put into place certain, certain boundaries and certain awarenesses that is going to be protective against PTSD and depression in, in the adults and certainly in the children as well. What what certainly is true is that we need to talk about these things, and that's probably why your friend has this bestseller. Uh, and when yeah. books when books like that are written, they give us the the language to access the feelings that we feel without often not knowing how to express these feelings because they're so convoluted, so 
so so energized by a lot of emo- emotion, Doctor Eve. So so I, I understand why a topic like this would become a bestseller, especially if it's got somebody who understands it and speaks about it with great insight. Because we we do need to talk about these uh, realities. Um, I'm asking you to give us a call on 011-883-0702, asking you to uh, think about your baby mama dramas, your baby daddy dramas, but also how all of that has impacted the children uh, and whether we as parents are able to um, to project ourselves at least into the way that our children may be feeling under those circumstances and then provide the comfort and the and the security. I mean, you speak of something, Dr. Eve, that, that resonates with me very, very powerfully, the, that sense of belonging, that if it's yeah. not there for a child, can really, really mess with their identity and, and, and how to be in the world, you know? Um, again, my question is, what needs to be done to try and uh-huh. normalize life for a child in that situation? So some of the suggestions that have come up in the research is don't put your children into the loyalty bind. Yeah. Don't get them to feel you are now, you as the adult are feeling torn between your loyalty to protect your child or to protect the new, the new person, the new mother yeah. of, yeah, the new relationship that's there. And, um, I once again see it in, in my, my clinical work where there is just so much angst around what do we do when I feel that my partner is being, um, malicious to my children or she or he is or they are being unfair to my children or they are favoring their child over my child or they are forcing our children to be friends when they really don't want to be. How do I manage it? So that's rule number one is do not put your children into that battle. That's a battle that the two of you have to sort out yourselves and be the adults like any parenting and make sure that children are protected from that. And then the second rule is don't try to be, you know, the parent, but that's so dependent or be on the couple and the situation that they're in and what they would want from each other expectations that they have each, of, each, of each other as they go into these step parenting roles as well. Um, for me, the most important rule actually is, um, is being sure of, of, of boundaries of how do we create safety from external multiple stakeholders like exes and ex-mother-in-laws or ex-grannies or ex-relatives or ex-friends. How do we protect our children? How do we create safety? And that means we as the adults have to be really sure on what we want in terms of relationships with all these other people, old and new. What we want and we make children feel safe through having boundaries. And then the other piece of advice is just to go and slowly blend into the family culture first before you insist and and allow it to flow. Watch what the children want. See what the children need. Create relationships that are safe with them before you begin to um, make any kind of demands or step in and be the you know the, the stepmom who is supposed to be the one who is um, the super the super mom. Um, and 
always remember, always remember that your first consideration is the children. Always remember that, just which is what family law tells us in this country, in every country. The children have got to come first. Your first consideration is your children. And one of the things that I feel so strongly about, which is very difficult for parents to, to uphold, is do not badmouth the other parent. Do not do that. Mm. It's such a disloyal thing, and it really brings so much distress to the children. If you are now you know, nesting with somebody new and you are going to be saying bad things or doing comparisons between the new father and their father, just it's just a terrible situation for the children to be thrown into. So it's a matter of really being adult and really being able to have conversations with each other that are then going to solidify you as a couple first and bring in the solid couple into the step-parenting situation. The default sort of um, attitude that we have is that both parents coming from uh, from or coming into this new relationship that I- that is a blended relationship have to engage in the parenting role of children that might not be biologically theirs is is that a fair expectation in other words I mean, this ma- this man or this woman has fallen in love with this man he didn't necessarily <laughs> sign up for the children as well is is that a, is that even a f- is that even a question to ask, Doctor Eve? I'm I'm, I'm being, yeah, I'm being, being provocative really... because I'm 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 asking myself the question: if if somebody connects with the other adult with the children, but says, "Listen, I really connect with you, but I, I'm not I'm not I'm not a parent." Um, yeah. Uh, can can we even entertain a conversation where we say, "Can that person opt out of the parenting role"? Or is that the package, as as tradition sometimes dictates? I think that uh, there is a huge obligation to uh, to be kind, respectful, and compassionate to those children. I really, really think so. You may not like them. You don't have to like them. But you absolutely, as an adult, have a obligation. And if you... Do not feel that way. You you should not be marrying or moving in, or connecting, attaching to this person. You you just should not be doing that. You should not be making that huge commitment of marriage if you know before you walk down that aisle, do la bola, whatever kind of ceremony you're going yeah. to do, yeah. that this is difficult for you. I also think that if you are still tied up emotionally, financially with an ex and you haven't licked your wounds and healed it and closed that circle, you really need to be doing that in a, in a, in a more neat way before you attach to a new family, mm. to a new family, because the children are the ones that need protection all the time. And, and that's where, you know, couples struggle the most in second marriages with the intrusion, the invasion, because it's the way that couples work out their pain of separation is through the divorce process. Mm. It, and then it, it doesn't mean that, you know, feelings are dead. They can never be. There is always going to be a part of you that is still attached and loving. And we as humans have a, a, it's a gene, a jealousy gene. 
And the moment, I mean, I was working with somebody more recently where he was saying, uh, I mean, he and his wife have had, are going through a very acrimonious divorce and they share a child. And the wife has a new boyfriend and he has a girlfriend and he says he's terrified to tell the ex-wife about the girlfriend. And I'm like, tell me more. And he says, well, she's going to be jealous. Like, she hates you. <laughs> she's so jealous. She's going to be jealous. And he's scared of, you know, the kickback and she'll hold the child back because he has a new girlfriend, even though she has a boyfriend. We still feel entitled to that person. It's very difficult. Once we have this bonding, once the hormones of vasopressin, when we spend time together cuddling and sleeping in the same bed together for years, we have these hormones, oxytocin and vasopressin, that get us to be attached. And it's very difficult yeah. to kind of detach from somebody and so it's it's uh, an acceptance there is still an, a part of me that will always be attached to this other person and how do we treat that with respect and with acknowledgement dr eve it's it's a it's a it's a big conversation and obviously not an easy one i i see that uh, um you know people are very pensive on it and even those that are writing to me are asking not to be just don't read my message out. Some of them are saying, and I, and I won't. I mean, I'll respect that. But but it appears that it it's a it's a space in our um, lives that we are not yet comfortable with uh, to discuss to talk about because it, it because of so many variables, so many issues that come into mm. into that space. And I think that I get the sense that a lot of people are just hanging on for dear life for this thing to work. Um, but my sense is that unless you actually talk about it, unless you, you verbalize, unless you, you really speak about the feelings that are going on in that space, uh, it, it probably is very hard to reach authenticity, isn't it? Very hard to stay married. If you look at the statistics, the 67% of second marriages end in divorce. It tells us everything we need to know. And so the call out or the shout out, I guess, will be to the listeners um, is that you want to be very mindful and intentional when you hook up second time with yeah. a deep commitment with marriage or whether it is just cohabiting together. Because as always, as always, the children are the ones who bear the brunt of it. They end up traumatized. And then we have the continuation of the cycle of trauma that goes on in our country all the time because these children are not able to cognitively mm -hmm. function. They're in a risky way, they end up with depression, suicidality and anxiety because they are traumatized because they don't have what you named, that sense of belonging and that sense of safety in their own homes. So that's a commitment. If we only can think of the children first, really be very mindful before you tie yourself up into a committed second relationship. Dr. Eve, how do we get in touch with you? Just follow me, Dr. Eve, everywhere. Um, and you will be able to get me. I'm trying to find my way through LinkedIn even, um, finding it quite interesting. But I'm all the platforms and I'm there and on my WhatsApp, you can always send me messages on my professional line. So um, I'm always here. Dr. Eve, as always, thank you very much for a great conversation.